What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it is now time for the last part of the top 40 albums countdown of 2001. We are now into the top 10 right here, the 10 best albums of 2001 according to me so come along with me right here kicking off the show album number 10 a band that i really thought was going to be the band of the 2000s i thought this was the band that the world needs we need to have fun again we need to have a killer stage show and we need to have kind of the best of both worlds of like the two best subgenres of rock and roll which is punk rock and heavy metal and I think this band did it really well. A little trash, punk, glam rock, killer band right here. The Toilet Boys, with their self-titled record, uh, they put out a bunch of EPs and, you know, 7 Inches and stuff like that. This was kind of their real big push to hopefully get into the mainstream. Unfortunately, didn't happen for them, and I think it's a crime. Who knows what went wrong? Uh, maybe bad management. The album did come out on September 11th, but we shouldn't blame September 11th on bad record sales. Another album in this top 10 came out that day too, and it did really well, so what have you. But this album was basically self-produced. Uh, it's a little slick for their earlier sound. I remember thinking that at the time, but honestly I think it's aged well. The album sounds better today than it did 20 years ago, to be quite honest with you. And that's another reason why it cracked the top 10 right here. Also, really nice to hear it on vinyl for the first time. I got it a few months ago. It's 20th anniversary. I don't know if it was the first time it was ever released on vinyl, but this edition is killer, man. They even added the 7-inch that had the two extra songs on it that was like, uh, I guess, the Japanese bonus tracks or whatever. But that all being said, it's a very enjoyable record, and if you're a fan of this show or you know you know my taste, then you know why I like this record. It's super fucking fun. This was the song. I know they recorded this a whole bunch of times. This is the final version of the song. Probably not even the best version of this song, but I think this is kind of their definitive song. So I definitely need to include it here to represent this band in case you never heard it before. So here you go. It's the Toilet Boys with Another Day in the Life. Turn it up.
kicking off the show here today and the top 10 albums of 2001 from the overall top 40 that we're doing right here on Rock Strikes 10. That was the Toilet Boys with another day in the life from their self-titled album right there. Fun stuff right there. Moving over here to album number nine. Now, if ever was a list made by me when it comes to super notable acts, almost legendary acts, with that album that is just massively underappreciated, and I don't understand why, even just on a cult level, I don't understand why this album just gets zero love. And in my opinion, the last great album that this guy ever did, I hate saying that because he's still active, the great, iconic, legendary Iggy Pop put out this amazing record on June 18th of 2001, self-produced, and you could tell it's a raw-ass record. The album is called Beat Em Up. You know, after this, he would do the Stooges reunion, and, and man, I did not like the weirdness. I thought it was a massive disappointment. Skull Ring, which came out before that, had a few good songs, but overall also a disappointment, probably because I heard this album when it came out, got it, and loved it, and it's got all the balls and all the Iggy-isms that I want in it. That's a real word in this world, but uh, yeah, man, if I have to just kind of just wave my arms around and campaign for a record for a notable act and be like, how come you haven't heard this record? You fucking pussies. Like it's one of those, like, do you just not like loud, rude, aggressive rock? Because that's this album in a nutshell. If you love metal, you should love this record. If you love real good classic punk rock, you should love this record. If you love good alternative music, you should love this record. It's loud and angry in the way it ought to be. I don't know what else to say, man. I can tell you something else. Uh, the other really cool thing about this record uh, is that Moose Man from Body Count, the original lineup there, plays bass on this record along with the rest of the band. They're called the Trolls on this record, by the way. Uh, and unfortunately, Moose Man uh, was killed in a drive-by prior to this album really even getting a proper release or just right on the cusp of it. And they were supposedly going to tour, and that stopped the tour from ever happening. They were just all bummed out, and they just threw in the towel. Uh, that's the sad part about it. Yeah, no, actually, he did not live to see the release because he had already passed away by the time the record was getting mixed. And as a tribute to Moose Man, they turned the bass up really loud on this record, making it even better, honestly. But yeah, like it was hard for me to pick a song off of this record. I People may not like this record. Maybe they're going to think I'm crazy here. But I love this record once again. You, I, I could play anything off of it to represent it, and it would not be misrepresentation. Maybe VIP, which is kind of one of the closing tracks on the record, which is kind of the the one slow, smooth thing with like Iggy just improvising and talking about how much fun it is to be a famous person. It's really funny. But obviously, let's go with a more traditional song off of this record right here. Once again, the album is called Beat 'Em Up. You should own it. It's a nice little speaker blower of a record right here. So if you got the guts, turn it up. This is L-O-S-T, Lost. I got my work. I got my work. Psychotic breakdown, cardboard sign Everything's faked and there's nothing to teach And there's no point in running crime 
the egg iggy pop right there with lost from beat em up if you got the guts go buy it okay moving on album number eight right here this one came out october 1st 2001 self-produced and i remember being completely confused by uh, how like this record didn't do as well as their previous two albums which did very well this was kind of a disappointing album sales wise I did see the tour and they were great. They actually had like a kind of a spinal tap show that night. A lot of things went wrong, but it was still a great show. It's once in a lifetime kind of show. I, I hope to meet the band at some point and be like, I was at that show. Hopefully they'll remember it. I, there was enough weird things. I think they do remember it. Anyway, that all being said, I'm talking about the band Garbage, a perennial favorite of mine. Their third album here, Beautiful Garbage. I think the two things that definitely went wrong for this record was the fact that one of the worst songs on the album, or at least like the least best song on the album, Androgyny, uh, was the launch single. And it's not a good launch single. Maybe down the road you put it out, and the message is pretty fun and everything, but man, there's so many other songs that you could have gone with and would have got a great response. So maybe the fix was in. I know that they moved on to Interscope Records because the previous label that they were on got kind of absorbed by Interscope. So they went from being a big fish in a small pond to like small fish in a big pond. So I think the Interscope move really hurt them. So those are two things that really just killed this album off. But man, it's got some killer tracks on it and it's some of their best material ever. So yeah, if you like the first two Garbage albums, I do not think you'll be that disappointed by Beautiful Garbage. Still listen to it a lot. They put out an anniversary version of it with, you know, some B-sides and remixes. And hopefully people will give this album a fair chance now that there's a nice release out for it. So but who knows? We'll see. But until then, check this out. This has always been my favorite song off the record ever since I bought it. All the way up until this episode, me playing right here. So it's probably always going to be my favorite song on the record. I love the massiveness of the sound in this. It's just positive. It makes me feel good. And a title to match. So here you go. This is Garbage with Parade.
right parade right there by garbage not even a single i don't believe it was a single at all how stupid is that did anybody out there ever see the minority video by green day where they're like in the parade with the big balloons and everything like that should have been the video for this song right here first single out do that one with confetti and balloons and lasers and all that stuff and just the band on stage and Shirley being super duper awesome with that great presence and, uh, you know, attractiveness, of course. But yeah, that should have been the tale for this album. Sadly, it wasn't. But yeah, it makes my number eight album of 2001. So, all right. Album number seven right here. Uh, yet another album where I saw the tour for this one right here. And this was the debut album by this band. I guess in its field, in its genre, this is known as a super group. <laughs> It's not an all-star band for sure, but if you couldn't put together a better band as far as like for their particular instruments, it's perfect for this style of music. It's true alternative and it's hard to even categorize and just a, a phrase I like to use, a true alternative, like when I mentioned Randy Brown. This band right here consisted of nothing but true alternatives. This band is called Tomahawk. And, uh, you know, they were on Ipecac Records. So, yes, this is a Mike Patton project. The debut self-titled album here came out on October 30th of 2001. Since I brought up the fact that they were basically kind of a supergroup in this genre, I will say, of course, that's Mike Patton on lead vocals, Dwayne Dennison of the Jesus Lizard on guitar, Kevin Rutmanis from the Cows on the bass, and John Stainer from Helmet on the drums. All these people are really good at what they do in their lineup, in their particular bands. They came together to make this great music here. And honestly, I like the other Tomahawk records, and I, I really enjoyed the one here from 2021, which I'll talk about in a future episode. But this is still their best album overall, in my opinion. That new one's sniffing it, but yeah, this is their best album still to this day. And, of course, maybe because I listened to it like a thousand times the year it was out, saw the tour, like I said, the show blew me away. So it's just kind of one of those perfect moments here for me in 2001. Uh, so here you go. This is Tomahawk and still my favorite song off of this album since the first time I heard it, much like Parade right there. But this one right here, I love it. And the song that opened up the show that night, this is God Hates a Coward.
The number seven album right there, Tomahawk with Tomahawk, and that was God Hates a Coward. Love it. It's just a perfect storm of musicians right there, like I said, coming together to make this killer, true alternative of a record. All right. Album number six right here is the debut entry right here. I say that because I never listened to this album until a few weeks ago. Full disclosure. And it comes in really hot right here at number six. Now, it has to be really good for me to break into the nostalgia bubble, as pretty much this top 15 is. And for good reason, though. Uh, A guy that always does really well when I do these countdowns, Devin Townsend, who I've come to appreciate massively over this last decade. And in 2001, he was doing some amazing stuff. Now, I wrote him off because... I wasn't a big Strapping Young Lad fan, although I recognize that they were a little bit better than their contemporaries. And listening to some of their later records, I'm like, okay, no, this is actually really good. But I especially love Devin Townsend's solo records, Devin Townsend Project, like that stuff. Those are some of the best albums that have been made over the last 20 years. I will absolutely get on every music hill and yell about it and know that I'm right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this album right here, this one was technically his fifth solo album, came out on November 6, 2001, self-produced, of course. I don't know any producer that could handle this kind of a project, (laughs) anything that he does. He's he's amazing. He's the man. He's a damn near genius. The album is called Taria. I believe it's Taria, T-E-R-R-I-A. See, I don't even know how to pronounce the record. But I've listened to it over and over again for the last few weeks. I can't stop listening to it. There's a, there's a genre out there of music called world music. You know how like world music is kind of the worst? Like most of it's not very good. I feel like music that sounds like this should really be called world music. Or even just universal music. Like Devin Townsend's music you could beam out into space. And I feel like if there's aliens out there they'll respond positively. Like that's how good Devin Townsend is. I can't say enough nice things about him. I'll just start gushing and sound like a fanboy. But like I said, the fact that he broke my nostalgia bubble of 2001 with this record, I'm almost mad at him. Uh, but how can you hate on something like this? So check this out. Album number six, Taria. I'm going to go with it, by Devin Townsend. This one right here. Every song on this album is a damn epic. It's a damn near perfect record. It just missed being a 100-pointer. I think it got like a 95 or something like that because... 
I just listened to it over and over again. I guess at some point I was maybe being overly critical to try to find something wrong with it. You ever do that? But anyway, that all being said, check this one out. My favorite song off of this record right here, and it almost makes me want to move there. This is Canada.
All right, show's over, folks. No, I'm just kidding. But man, it's kind of hard to follow that. That was Canada by Devin Townsend. It should never be understated that Devin Townsend professionally is two degrees away from Frank Zappa. And I think that's very relevant. As far as I know, his first real gig was being a lead vocalist for Steve Vai on the Vi Band project. I feel like a lot of Frank and a lot of Steve rubbed off on Devin Townsend in the most positive way. I know Steve's really proud of him. I'm sure Frank would be too. But like I said, man, Devin Townsend stuff, if you're into like big, big catalogs and big rabbit holes, that's the guy you want to go check out. Because it's everything from the heaviest extreme metal to really epic sounding stuff like that, like real heroic type stuff. To that casualty is a cool record that I love so much. I mean, it's just everywhere and all over the place. Give it up for Devin Townsend. All right, moving into the top five right here. And I think much like the Devin Townsend record, this one just missed being a 100-pointer. And I love this record when it came out. I was just on the cusp of being a real big fan of this band at the dawn of the 2000 millennium here. Uh, but yeah, the International Noise Conspiracy. Uh, you know, getting so bummed out, finding out the Refused had been broken up right when I got into him, but then also finding out that the singer, Dennis Lixon, uh, had started this new band called International Noise Conspiracy. Now, they're almost nothing like Refused. Uh, Refused is very extreme, hardcore, punk, screamers, whatever you want to call them. And International Noise Conspiracy is like a straight-up like garage rock band, punk leanings, Marxist Leninists, you know, legit. Um <laughs> Uh, but, you know, early on I called them Spy Rock. Like, if you listen to those first two International Noise Conspiracy records, it sounds like garage rock music from, like, those spy movies from Britain in the 60s and 70s. Uh, anyway, but yeah, you should check out International Noise Conspiracy. They put out five killer records between uh, Refuse breaking up and Refuse getting back together, and I stand by them all. Right in the middle of the catalog here is this album, A New Morning Changing Weather came out on October 23rd of 2001, produced by Yari Hapalainen. Hapalainen. Yari Hapalainen. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Yeah, just a, a cool rock and roll album for the sake of rock and roll and a lot of politics, but, you know, if you don't listen for them, you won't hear them. So it's fine if you don't like politics in your music. You'll still be okay listening to this band. But if you do, then bonus. So here you go. Here's a nice, fun, anti-capitalist anthem. And aren't they all in punk rock music? This is Up For Sale. Another world that fits me and you. We're 
National Noise Conspiracy from the album New Morning Changing Weather. That was up for sale. They put out a really killer EP between this third and fourth record. You should also definitely check out Bigger Chains, Longer Cages, I believe is the name of the EP. It's it's after one of the songs on this record here, New Morning Changing Weather. But yes, just get all their stuff. It's very much worthy of your time. Now coming in at number four here. From this point on, these are all 100-pointer records. 100 points, perfect albums in my opinion. Uh, I listened to these albums multiple times to try to do that critical thing to find something wrong with them. And every time I heard them, I was like, nope, these are perfect albums, every one of them. And what I dig about this top four is it, uh, you know, and not to toot my own horn, but I'm gonna, it speaks to the variety of this show. And this isn't a forced thing. This is just, these are my four favorite records of 2001. And every album is different than the next. So we're going to kick things off here with the number four album, the debut solo album by a guy who did have a band prior to this, but uh, went solo and put out his first solo debut album, unfortunately on September 11th, uh, an album that was self-produced, but also co-produced by Ben Gross, who we heard that name earlier in the countdown, and I don't remember which record, but it was definitely on something good. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, man, if there's a singer-songwriter who speaks to my generation, you know, and in the great tradition of piano guys from the past, like your Billy Joel's and Elton John's and Randy Newman's with that perfect amount of pop and sardonic dark humor. It's this guy right here, Ben Foltz. I really like Ben ever since I heard him the first time. I heard him for the first time on that second Ben Foltz 5 album like everybody else did with Brick. I heard a lot of Joe Jackson in him too, but all those other guys I mentioned, he's definitely a legit wayward son of those guys and should be in the conversation at this point because he's put in the work. And his debut solo album, Rockin' the Suburbs, I shouldn't say easily, but I sh- I'm going to say easily his best album. Like I said, it's a perfect album in my opinion. Biting lyrics, different kinds of styles of music going on, a lot of cool variety. There's a lot of sad songs on it too because he's that guy. And I'm going to play you a sad song uh, to represent this album. 
but I love this song so much. I think it's important. I think everybody should hear it. It just guts me every time I listen to it. So you are warned. Further proof, a few years ago, you know, we, we talk, we've talked about Kesha on this show before, and I, I need to bring her up right now because besides talking about the show that myself and Nola went to last year, if you followed all that legal battle that she was doing over her name and, you know, taking that guy to court that uh, that raped her and everything and uh, did a bunch of bad stuff to her. When she was going through all that, she wound up on Ben Fold's stage one night when she didn't even know like what her name was at that point. And she got up and did this song with Ben. And I watched that clip sitting at my computer, watching a video clip, and it fucking brought me to tears, man. Like, because I, I've been following the story and I thought it was horrible and just watching her up there like put everything she had into this song it's just that kind of a song <laughs> so if you've never heard this I think I've warned you properly uh, so here you go and Rockin' the Suburbs by the way the title track very fun very funny song the video's great you should see it it's kind of like the Sloop John B of the record it sticks out because it's the one kind of super happy, funny song on the record. But this is the opposite of that, but equally great. So here you go. I've said enough. This is Ben Folds with Still Fighting It. Good morning, son. I am a bird wearing a brown polyester shirt. You want a Coke? Maybe some fries the roast beef combos only 9.95 it's a
There you go. Ben Folds with Still Fighting It from Rock in the Suburbs. And, God, man, that's so biting. The older I get, the more that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> still still fighting it. Fighting age and mortality. Okay. Uh, kind of keeping in the same theme, but definitely a lot more aggro. It's going to be this one right here. Yet another album that was released on September 11th, but the album that September 11th needed equally as Rock in the Suburbs is this one right here. And if you can find like the original POP promotional posters for this album that has the album title along with the release date on it, if you have any of those laying around, send them to me. I'd love to have one because I missed out on getting one of those posters at the time because they got pulled for damn sure they did. Yes, Slayer with the number three album of 2001, God Hates Us All. Do I need to say anything else about that? Anyway, yes, uh, produced by Matt Hyde for real. Uh, Rick Rubin's name is also on this, but you know he doesn't produce anything. Uh, but yeah, God Hates Us All. If you were put off by Diabolos and Musica, this is the return to form you wanted. Paul Bostoff still playing drums on this record, and he does an amazing, amazing job on it. Lombardo came back from the tour, saw this tour, once again at Bronco Bowl, the greatest venue of all time. Uh, God Hates Us All is classic Slayer. Uh, there's no way you could hate on this album and be a true Slayer fan, because... I, I, it might be my favorite overall Slayer record, and that might be blasphemy, but hey, we're talking about an album called God It's All. Yeah, I mean, I, I hold it up there with uh, Seasons in the Abyss and Rain and Blood. I, I think it's phenomenal. It's my third favorite album of 2001, but also it's a perfect album, scoring 100 on the Rock and Rank scoring system. If you don't believe this isn't classic Slayer, then check this one out right here. This is Exile. <laughs>
Dynamite Exile right there by Slayer from the album God Hates Us All. A perfect album for sure. My third favorite record of the year. And honestly, these next two records, number two and number one, really are tied for first. And they're so different from each other. And these are the two albums I listened to the most easily in 2001. So I'd hate to say one is number one and one is number two. But really, they are tied for first. I'm going with it. You put whatever you want at the top. So let's let's just let's just say that. Okay. So this album it did not come out on September 11th, but it did come out the week before. So when September 11th happened, it was officially the number one album in the country. And you you can't write this stuff. An album that talks about a lot of things that are wrong in the world at that time, and a lot of it still holds true for sure. Uh, a band that al- always put it on the nose somehow got a lot of commercial success. I didn't see that one coming, and I was on board with this band day one. Never thought that they would get famous or even sell remotely, even like sniff platinum on any other records. But this is where we were in 2001, System of a Down becoming one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Their album Toxicity. At this point, 20 years on, it's one of those albums, in my opinion. It's going to be like Back in Black, Metallica's Black album. Not that it's going to have those kind of sales, but an album that is the popular album in this catalog of this band, and it's justified. This is a great album. I think it's a perfect album. It's weird as hell. It's never boring. I'll give it that. So even, even haters, I would have to think that they were like, well, they're not boring. Uh, but yeah, man, this album came out, played the shit out of it. Man, I don't think we played an album more in the store ever in the history of CD Warehouse than this album right here. Uh, so a big shout out to my buddy Logan, my brother, man. Uh, this is one of those albums that we bonded over. This one in the Tomahawk record for sure in 2001. And God Hates Us All. So we, we just had a good old time in 2001, even though the world was blowing up around us. But at least we had the music, and that's super important in times like that. Uh, so here you go. I'm not going to get cute about it. There's a lot of songs. I mean, like I said, I love every song on the record. I'm going to go with one of the obvious songs, not Chop Suey. We've heard that one a lot. But th- to me, the title track is just undeniable and a perfect example of what you get out of this record. So here you go. This is the title track, Toxicity by System of a Down. Enjoy.
flashlight reveries caught in the headlights of a truck Eating seeds as a pastime activity The toxicity of our city, of our city Toxicity right there from the album of the same name by System of a Down. Tied for first for my favorite record of the year. Number two, I guess, officially in the order of things. And that leads us to the number one album of 2001. If you're a longtime friend of the show, this also will not surprise you. This album actually came out all the way at the beginning of the year on January 23rd, 2001. I saw this tour at the now defunct Galaxy Club. And I uh, got to meet the whole band, got pictures and the whole thing with the entire band. That happened a few times, if I could brag a little bit. But that doesn't take away from how much this album rocks. The Donnas turned 21, their fourth studio album. And an album that saw them kind of changing things up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'd say actually a, little, a lot, actually. But it didn't take away from uh, that thing that makes you like them so much. So they're getting away from like the Ramones thing a little bit and kind of moving on to more of an ACDC kind of thing, but still having elements of both. So, you know, this is kind of the bridge gap between Get Skin Tight and, like, the album that, that would make them super famous, Spend the Night. But, yeah, Turn 21 might be my favorite overall Donna's album. Like, that and Bitchin' are, like, my two favorites. But I kind of do love them all. It's hard for me to pick. It's just one of my favorite bands of all time. Pure rock and roll at its finest and everything I love about music are pretty much in the catalog of the Donnas. So what else can I say? I did fail to say the album was produced by Robert Shemp, who I guess was like an in-house producer for the studio they like to use. So not much else to say about him. Like I said, I love this record. It's super fun. It's a good way to go out on this countdown, in my opinion, a good way to close the show. Uh, So here you go. Give it up for the Donnas from the Turn 21 album. This is Do You Want to Hit It? Jack and Mixer Watch him make his beat the sensors I'm trying to 
We have come to the end of the top 40 albums of 2001, and that closes us off right there with the number one album, which did tie with Toxicity for my favorite albums of the year. And that was the Donna's from the Donna's Turn 21 with the song Do You Want to Hit It. If you don't like that album, then you don't like rock and roll. That's just how I have to put it. So, yes. It's another reason why I do shows like this so I can, you know, yell at the top of a virtual mountain and say, these are the best albums and songs of all time. Okay. Hope you enjoyed this countdown. All seven parts of the 2001 major retrospective that we had here on Rock Strikes 10 with the three episodes of The Odds and Ends and the top 40 records. So, here's the big announcement that 10 of you have been waiting for. So yes, I am still planning on doing a best of for 2021. As I've been kind of unpeeling the layers of 2021 and I've basically been listening to nothing throughout the year that was new music because honestly I've been busy with some personal and professional stuff but also doing these other countdowns that I did. So 2021 really fell by the wayside. So I will be covering 2021, but instead of just kind of putting the time pressure on me and we're already into the new year, so fuck it, I'm going to be visiting 2021 all throughout the month of January. We will start off with the odds and ends of 2021. And then at the end of the month, I will do a definitive album countdown for said year. So there's my big announcement. So join me here throughout the month of January, especially as we do the best of 2021, as we close off this big 2001 chapter as well. So, yes, all you longtime friends of the show, thanks for dealing with me right here and putting up with my late countdown episodes. But I love you all, and I love this music, and uh, yeah, that's all I can really say. So, I'll see you very soon, probably just in a few days from now. Uh, until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens, Ruby and Ripley, get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. (laughs) 
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.